What are we going to talk about? Football? Oh, uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Did you hear me say I didn't even know who was playing? Really? I didn't know who was playing until it was yesterday or the day before I asked. Here, this is how bad it is. I asked Amy. Oh, wow. Because she was like, she, she, this is bad. This is pastoral confession. She's like, she's like, hey, I'm going to get wings and, and stuff for Sunday. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> no, that's another level. That's another level. I'm like, that's where I, I'm, my world is. My world is small, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I am. Uh, oh, I meant to ask. I saw that book over there. What do you think of? Uh, which one? James Kennedy. Which which book which book uh, was it? Evangelism, Evangelism Explosion. Yeah. Um, it's I don't he like came it. Up with the two. The yeah, Kennedy he did. Questions. He did. He did. I like James Kennedy. I mean, he's dead now, but mm-hmm. I like him. Poor. Uh, uh, what's that? What's Billy Graham's nephews ruined that church? Destroyed that church? Actually. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name now. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, I like I liked him as a preacher, mm-hmm. Presbyterian, so I agree with a, a lot of what he did. And there's some things on evangelism explosion I like, um, but there's some I don't like. So he he kind of paved the way for evangelistic techniques, right? Yeah, and so that book is foundational for that. But yeah, it's there's you know there's some quite there's some issues with it. I learned the Kennedy questions as a kid. Yeah, I was like, the... yeah, it's better than than some other techniques. That's mm-hmm. for sure. So. Yeah, that actually pulls up. Uh, that's part of the question. Good. That one of the questions I'm gonna ask. So, look, man, this is bad. <clears throat> I just I can see there's a cobweb with a spider in it over on here, which means we have not recorded in that. Oh little, snap! I that. didn't even notice. That. Look at that, man. That is that. That's like a sin, buddy. How long has it been since we've been in here, man? And look, it's still alive. That's a that's speaking of that sermon, man. See, but you see, I didn't shriek from the spider. <laughs> That is crazy. In my house, you'd have heard all kinds of screaming just from that little thing. Has it been that long? I'm, buddy, I'm telling you, I'm like, oh every week, goodness. I'm like, man, when when are we going to record, man? I'm going through, like, I'm starting to get the shakes. <laughs> I'm going through withdrawals, man. <laughs> Podcast addict. It's like, <laughs> like, you see me, at my de- <laughs> see me at my desk. What's wrong with you? I haven't recorded my podcast in a while. Oh, my goodness. I might as well just start here. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. We are back from uh, a break. No matter what you hear on the upcoming podcast, this will be the first in season two. It's been so long that we just killed a spider that made a cobweb (laughs) on the microphones. This is... We are back, and we are not going to allow spiders or dust to consume. <laughs> I'm feeling like we're bad stewards of oh this equipment, this man. Is... We got spiders growing in the microphone. What's wrong with crazy. that? It, it was a, it was, it was a safe spider, so I guarantee, because it was in church. It was in a, a good, that's God-fearing, a, believing church. And, and, that's a holy and, spider. Yeah, yeah. So, Notice hey, I didn't flinch. Right. It, yeah, yeah it, that, that's not a spider that will corrupt He wasn't possessed. Yeah, no. right. Uh, with me today, as always, back for another season of Truth Talks is the pastor of Bellcroft Bible Church. His name is Matt White. How you doing, sir? I'm blessed to be with you, as always, my friend. Yeah. And uh, we have a few things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to start the new season off with uh, a few questions. And we were just talking off mic about uh, this book that I see on the shelf, Evangelism Explosion. 
written by a gentleman named uh, D. D. James Kennedy. And uh, I wanted to know, like, um, excuse me. See, this is what happens when the missions ministry has uh, lunch and we get to eat lunch before we record a podcast. I usually record podcasts hungry, like right after church. So I'm not hangry today. So Hangry? Hangry. That's one of those words. Well, yeah, this not, not my word. Okay. You know, when you're hungry and you're angry, you're hangry. Okay. So, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to kind of get from you a good uh, evangelistic uh, uh, approach. Yeah. You're in a store, you're out and about, and you see yeah. someone or have an interaction with someone. What would be a good way to uh, bring up the subject of their life yeah, uh, and the wrath of God and yeah. them possibly going to hell. Yeah, so that's a great question. I think one we don't ask enough. I think part of the issue because of all the evangelistic techniques that are out there and without question, many of them are good mm-hmm. and usable, whether it's way of the master evangelism explosion, you know, the colored beads or whatever, the wordless book. I mean, all of these that I've interacted with and used in different ways at different times. The problem, though, with it is and what I don't like about them and what I've seen, even in my own life, is that you form kind of like this pattern or this this evangelistic shtick that's kind of like your thing. Mm-hmm. And you perfect that. And it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. You could be talking to an atheist, an agnostic, or you could be talking to a Roman Catholic, and you do the same thing every time. And that just becomes robotic mm-hmm. and insincere, even though your heart, and I'm not judging anybody because I don't know, but I'm not going to say your heart is insincere, but your 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 demeanor, mm-hmm. and, and I have seen it, people have done this to me, that's how I know this, and I've watched it with others because I've evangelized quite a bit, mm-hmm. whether it's in open air, out on the streets, or wherever, and I've seen this happen, and I've watched it, and it, and it's and it's... It's changed me, right? It's impacted me, where it's almost like you can see the unbeliever or the person you're evangelizing. It's like they shut down and just let you go through your deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of like, in some ways, that happens with us. If we're, you know, a Mormon comes to the door, a Jehovah's Witness, there are times in which you just let them go through their deal, and you're just like, no, thank you, bye, right? Right. And, and how often that happens with us as Christians, because people know when you're doing a sales pitch mm-hmm. versus when you're sharing your heart, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I have often said, if you are a genuine believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are equipped to evangelize, period. Yeah. If you are regenerate, you have the Holy Spirit within you. You have you have been saved. You know all you need to know to, to evangelize someone else mm-hmm. because you're saved, right? You just right. tell them what God has done and why he's done it, right? If mm-hmm. you're genuine. Now, that's one thing. If, you, if you've got a heretical view of salvation, that's different. But if you're truly regenerate, truly saved, there are things you can perfect. There are things you need to grow in and all of those things. But you know all you need to know. Just share what's going on, right? So like um, prime example this week. Um, I was having lunch with uh, one of our uh, young adults and uh, just meeting with him to talk about life now out of high school and what he's going to do in college and all that. And we're at a, a just a, a restaurant down the street and a young girl comes up who she didn't take our order, but she was taking another person's order at the time we ordered. She came up to get our plates and I asked her how she's doing and I could see she had a dejected look on her face. And she said, literally, she said, you know, I'm really anxious today. I'm really struggling today, and I, I'm not really sure why, and I'm just feeling really heavy. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we're sitting right there. She's at work, so I can't have a, you know, 
I can't go into a five point message on the gospel, right? <laughs> she's literally collecting our plates, right? And that wouldn't even be right. Mm-hmm. But she's talking with us, and she's clearly allowed to do that. And so I just looked at her. No, no, you know, no. What's your name? No, you know, she she doesn't care about that. She doesn't want that. She's just sharing her heart. She's looking for help. That's why she said that. Mm-hmm. And so I just looked at her graciously, and I told her oh, that's sad. And I said, has anybody ever talked to you about Jesus Christ and, and, and what he does for our sin? And she looked at me, and you know what she said? No. Wow. So it's like, I don't need to beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like come up with some sort of catchy you know, introduction. The girl's struggling with anxiety. Her only hope is Jesus. Just mm-hmm. tell her that, right? Yeah. And so... So she said no, and then I said, I'd love to sit down and share with you the reality of worry, anxiety, and sin, and how they go together, and what Jesus Christ has done to take that away, mm-hmm. i.e. the penalty of sin. And, and she said, yeah, I, I, I've, I've never really heard that before, but I've got to go, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so there you go, right? Done. Mm-hmm. So planted the seed, <clears throat> at least now, she's like, contemplating who's this Jesus. I don't eat there a lot, but I'll eat there again, and I'll make sure to connect with her and mm-hmm. keep going. So I think sometimes we we think of our evangelism way too canned and way too systematic. There is a good system. You asked about it. We use it here um, in our uh, business cards, right? It's really simple. So we have a business card that's really a, a track, mm-hmm. and it's literally the what I consider the four primary points of the gospel when mm-hmm. you're sharing it, and that is, one, it's God. Gospel always begins with God. Genesis, I've said, is the best place to start in sharing somebody the gospel. In the beginning, God, meaning it's all about him. Mm -hmm. Life's all about him. He created life. He is the center of life. It's all for him, from him, and to him. And that's where you start people, right? You don't don't start them, as I was taught early on, uh, about heaven, right? That's how I was taught evangelism as a high schooler and and a young adult. It's like, um, don't you want to go to heaven? Yeah. And it's like, most people... If they're honest, I don't really want heaven. They rather I want, have heaven here on earth. Yes, I'd rather have my life better here, but I'm mm-hmm. not. I don't care about heaven because that's not the issue, right? God is the issue, right? And sin is the issue because that goes next. Once you explain God and who He is as our Creator and how He owns all of us and has authority over all of us, but the problem is we've all rebelled. That's sin. Mm-hmm. So it's God and then sin, and you talk about sin being ultimately rebellion, disobedience, cosmic treason against the cosmic Lord of all all the universe, and so you explain that, and then you go from God's sin, you go from God's sin to Christ, mm-hmm. right? And uh, once you explain that our sin is universal and our penalty is eternal, then you go to the only one who can answer our sin problem, and it's God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. you go right into explaining that, and then you end with the call of the gospel, which is to repent and believe. Mm-hmm. That's your only response. You can either reject it, walk away from it, and say, I want nothing to do with it, or you can accept it, receive it, or better yet, the right word is submit to it, right? And that is, you do that how? By repenting, forsaking your sin, turning away from that truth that you've re- recognized that you are a rebellion. Uh, a rebellious uh, uh, sinner against God, and now you're going to turn away from that. You don't want to do that anymore, and you're going to trust in Christ alone mm-hmm. and uh, place your faith in Him as your only hope, as your only answer uh, uh, for the wrath of God, the penalty of eternal death. And that's it, right? So so you walk through that. Now, there's many ways to do that. You can use the way of the Master, which I like a lot of what they do, in the sense of 
pointing the law. So that that would be when you're in that zone of talking about sin, mm-hmm. then you could go to the law, like mm-hmm. like uh, um, those guys that weigh in the master uh, do well. And you Let know, me ask you a question: Have you ever lied? Yes, have you ever yes, stolen anything? yes. Have you ever so where you take the law of God right. and you hold it up as a standard, as a and mirror. then you take their la- life and you compare their life to God's holy standard, right. and of course their life fails in comparison, and that's sin, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't meet the glory of God, you don't meet the perfection He demands, and and so you explain that and you use that, and that's helpful, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. helpful, and so there's there's all kinds of then techniques like that. Um, which, you know, the law is pretty clear that it's used as a taskmaster to lead us to Christ, so that's that's helpful. So there's all kinds of stuff you can do, but I think at the end of the day, as a pastor, I'm always concerned when people feel they need to be trained in evangelism, and I know what that means, and we even do that here to some extent, but the, it's more important that you just are have the heart of the evangelist, meaning yeah. you see the lost, you understand your, the answer is Christ, and you just go talk to them. Mm-hmm. People just just share with them, and I do that. Like I, I'm no different than anybody else, right? There are times where you're just like nervous, and, and I'm nervous, and I'm like, I don't know what to say with this guy. And so I'll literally, oftentimes in that, I'll just say, "Can I talk to you about Jesus?" Like I I go right to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Because it just helps it helps get it out right from the beginning, because he is the issue at the end of the day. If you don't want to hear about Jesus, then then there's nothing I can do for you. Right, right, right. Because you go nebulous with God and all that. Like, a, if, if that's if you're going to stay on the surface, anybody can believe quote unquote God. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, Muslims believe in God. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Judaism believes in God, mm-hmm. not the not the true God. But you get it. But when you throw the name Jesus out there, man, that's that's it. The, the game changes. It the, is. Their expressions change everything. everything. And yeah. so I remember evangelizing an American Indian one time, and uh, he was tracking with me. And he was like, he was like there until I brought up Christ, man, his countenance changed. And I mean, he was angry. Wow. And he looked at me. I'll never forget it. It's probably 20 years ago now. And he looked at me and it's still seared in my brain. He said, God, I believe Jesus. I will never believe he got up from, I was, I was at a, I was actually at a County fair at a booth. He got up from the table he was sitting at, slammed his chair and walked out. I have no idea what was going on. He wouldn't mm-hmm. stay. But, man, as soon as I brought up Jesus, man, it was done. Wow. So I don't know what happened in his life. I didn't have. To, I wish I would have been able to talk to him, mm-hmm. but he, he, he rejected. Because at the end of the day, Jesus is, and this is what the Bible says, he's a stumbling block, man. Mm-hmm. He's the stone of offense. Yeah. And that's why you you got to get to Jesus. you got to explain who he is after you explain that God is, is, is Lord and King and sin is the issue and Jesus is the answer. And so however you do that is fine, right? Mm-hmm. You just got to do it. Yeah. The key is do it. And again, it is not complex. The gospel is impossible to believe, right, apart from sovereign grace. Mm-hmm. But it, it, is, it is really simple to tell, mm-hmm. right, in the sense of it's, it's God doesn't have us jumping through hoops. This isn't Roman Catholicism with all the hoops of of infused grace and the mass and holy matrimony and all this, you know, last rites and all, you know, infant mm-hmm. baptism. And you got all these hoops to jump through and then you get to the end and you hope that you've done enough. No, we don't. That's nonsense. Right. It's just, it's literally see you're a sinner, be broken over it because you recognize you deserve eternal judgment and turn from that meaning turn to do good? No, turn to Christ who's done the good, mm-hmm. right? Trust him. Throw yourself literally at the mercy of Christ. That's it. That's that's the gospel. And and when that happens, uh, then you know regeneration has come to your heart because yeah. only the regenerate can do that. Mm-hmm. So the key is 
just go evangelize if you're truly saved. Just go evangelize. Mm-hmm. Share the truth. Now, you need to grow in your theology and doctrine and all that, but you need to keep the gospel simple, mm-hmm. right? Oftentimes, as we grow in our theology, then we, you know, we want to get in a discussion with somebody over, you know, eschatology and the return of Christ or even baptism. And it's like, no, no, that comes after. Yeah. Keep the gospel the main thing and, and uh, drive sin, drive God's authority, sin's uh, uh, the issue, Christ is the answer, and repentance is the call. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's good. And that uh, is the first time ever in the history of the Truth Talks podcast that we've actually done the gospel in the beginning there and not at the end. Well, so. I did see you tricked me into that. Yeah, you're, you're just a good host. <laughs> hey, look, the, the, the truth going to talk. <laughs> That's what we should change the name of the podcast. The truth gonna talk. G O N apostrophe. <laughs> the truth, truth gonna talk. Truth talking. Yep. <laughs> truth talking. So yeah. So that's that's great. I appreciate that. Uh, with with that in mind, um, moving past the, the the point of salvation, I would say, or uh, well, not even moving past that, because this is this is how the question is. The question is, it really comes from. Uh, I I don't know where I heard it at, but I heard it and we were talking. Oh, it was a question that we were all uh, we call it reform Twitter. That's what we call it. Yeah. We were talking about uh, the act and the uh, the the process of sanctification. Yeah. And uh, they were really asking, really, it's it's like it was a poll. So uh, sanctification has happened sanctification will happen sanctification is happening now yeah so it was and then the other response was yes yeah so it kind of like in that way so they're like well sanctification is something that has happened sanctification is something that will happen later and or sanctification is happening now yeah and then the the other one was like yes yeah so and the question really that i had that i wrote down was uh is sanctification a finished worked if if sanctification is a finished work, why do we sin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you'd have to you have to define sanctification. I think so. It's not confusing. Okay, so, so what is sanctification? Yeah, so what is sanctification? Well, the the word literally means to be set apart. To be sanctified is to be holy, right? And that's what the word means. It means to be um, set apart, set apart from sin, mm-hmm. um, to be. Um, um, literally sin less is 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 really what it's ultimately pointing to which becomes glorification but sanctification is that process by which you are being set apart from sin i.e positionally you are sanctified that's what you were talking about a minute ago where uh, oftentimes in the beginning of books like uh, uh, corinthians and philippians where the recipients are called saints right sanctified ones mm-hmm. right there's saints holy ones and um, and they're called that because as believers we are we are in Christ which makes us holy. He is our righteousness, our sanctification. First Corinthians uh, one thirty. He is that. But but that's positional. That's spiritual. That's not physical. That's not uh, practical. It's not actual in our in our in our fleshly world. Right. We are not sanctified yet. We are still dealing with the flesh. We are still dealing with the uh, reality of sin. We have been saved from the penalty of sin, that's justification. We have been uh, saved positionally, that's justification, never, it's a declared act of God. We have been sanctified positionally by way of uh, of we are in Christ, so therefore he sees us as holy, it's the only way we, we are uh, declared saved in that sense. 
but sanctification is is more clearly understood and rightfully understood as the here's the definition the ongoing progressive work by which I'm moving from sinfulness to holiness right that's it's a progressive ongoing work of God by which he sanctifies me through the means of me killing sin in Christ-centered godliness that's that's what we do that's what sanctification is the work of the holy spirit by the by the working of the word through god's sovereign grace as we work um, do our part i.e. as we're commanded to kill sin that is god's means of sanctification so it's better to understand sanctification as a as an ongoing process mm-hmm. rather than getting confused with it well i am sanctified i'm being sanctified i will be sanctified I mean, yeah, there's some truth to that, mm-hmm. but it gets really it gets really uh, divisive and and muddled because it's better to use that better to use that triad if you want to call it that with salvation because salvation is far clearer. Like when you say, as the Bible says, "I am saved," right? Which we are if you truly repent in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are removed from the kingdom of darkness and the penalty of sin. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. You are saved. Period. Done. Right? The penalty of sin is gone. Yet at the same time, as we saw even in the Bible study yesterday, I am being saved, mm-hmm. re- meaning the penalty of sin is removed, but the power of sin has not been vanquished yet. In that I am no longer a slave to sin, but I still have this body of flesh that is inclined to right. to pick it back up, right. right? And so I am being saved from that, though. I'm growing day in and day out as God transforms me into the image of his Son, conforming me, 2 Corinthians 3.18, in one image of glory and another. He's growing me and transforming me and shedding away the skin, this life of ungodliness, little by little. And one day I will be saved. And the Bible talks about it in those three tenses, um, waiting for the appearing of our uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the blessed salvation. First Peter talks about, Titus talks about that, um, First Corinthians uh, talks about that. So um, the Bible speaks of salvation in those three tenses, and of course you can realize it when you understand that glorification is the ultimate application of our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Glorification is nothing more than the final application of our salvation where it's complete, where it, the salvation that Christ purchased for us on the cross that we have trusted in finally gets applied in its final measure in glorification where we are fully now sanctified, set apart from sin, which that's all the culmination of salvation. It's all the work. So sanctification needs to be distinct from salvation and the way you were describing it or the Twitter group or whoever, it, it almost sounds like you're trying to muddle, even though you might be trying to, you are, muddling sanctification and salvation almost together. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing with that is that's what Roman Catholicism and many false teachers do, where they'll take salvation and sanctification and they'll just kind of put them together in such a way that it almost becomes the same thing. So now you have a works-based salvation. Right to where okay. you're having to work work yourself, you're not saved. So justification, rather than being a declared act of God, now it becomes something that you don't know if you're justified until you get to the end. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that at all. I'm justified, past tense, once and done. It's not a work. It's finished. And so that's the only thing I'm always nervous of when people start using that verbiage. It's like, well, let's let's keep salvation and sanctification distinct. Uh, you can't separate them, but you can hold them distinct in that they are not the same thing. 
right? And yet at the same time, they are correlated in that sanctification is the result of salvation. Mm-hmm. It is the fruit of God's ongoing work of salvation. That's why Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13 says, work out your own, quote, salvation with fear and trembling, because it's God who works in you and through you to do his good work. What's he talking about there? He's talking about sanctification, mm-hmm. right? He's talking about the ongoing progressive work of holiness, right, which is the whole point of election, the whole point of salvation, Ephesians 1, 4. And so, um, so there, is this, there is this crossover, I don't deny that, and it's clear, yet I just, I just want to be careful, and I think it's helpful to be careful that you understand in verbiage and definition, when we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about a post-salvific work, not a, yeah. not a that's, that's, that's just that language. And there have been many false teachers, um, even in our day, who have muddled that, and and sanctification has become uh, nothing more than Roman Catholicism, or better yet, just to be clear, works-based salvation, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like you're striving for this thing, and, and it's like, no, we strive because we're commanded to, but it's all a work of grace as a result of the gospel, as a result of being saved, I am being sanctified. And so... It, it just is important to be definitive and clear about that so that we don't we don't get confused on what's going on there. Yeah, and I think the opposite of what you just said uh, would be someone who would claim once saved, always saved. Yes, yes, um, exactly. And, uh, in the last uh, men's Bible study, you mentioned that. And, yep. And I was like, you know, I remember hearing that a lot uh, coming up. Yeah. And, you know, it would be a, a big debate between the two. And I'm like, yeah. okay, why is this a debate? Yeah. I would think that, you know— can you become unsaved? And the the word that would be used <laughs> during the invitation, actually, yeah. um, they would say, "If you're here today," and that's how he always started off his 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 invitation. If you're here today, and you have been hearing these words, and God has been tugging at your heart, mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, today is a day of salvation. He would always say that. Come now, and mm-hmm. you, know, you have the music playing and everything like that. And then it's like there's another group of people here. If you're in a backslidden position, mm-hmm. that was that was his terminology. If you were in a backslidden position, and ironically enough, if anybody's listening to this and used to go to my old church, you know, and you could pro- you're probably hearing this playing in your head right now. But it's like you know, if you're in a backslidden position, and it's, it's time for you to come home. So that's kind of like the what I hear when I yeah. hear like you know once saved always saved. Yeah. Um, yeah. But is this especially sanctification with that yep. being a, a process of ongoing? Yeah. You know, basically, you know, Christ cleaning you and and and, and cleansing you up. And and the the word picture that I have is the bride. You yeah. know, us being you know yeah. white and ready for the, yep. the the groom to come. Yep. Without you know. spot or wrinkle, blameless, mm-hmm. above reproach, all those things, which again will not happen until we. We are face to face with Christ and glorification, right? Yep. But that means, right, the method, the work that God will do, if you want it, the washcloth he'll use will mm-hmm. be his word as we are training ourselves to godliness and Christ-centered uh, pursuit, right? Where Christ is the focus, Colossians 3, 1 to 4, set your mind on the things of Christ, set your mind on Christ, who is your life. He's, it's all Christ, 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 four verses, and then chapter 3, verse 5, kill sin. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so the, that's the point. Now, now, again, we're not trying to achieve something in mm-hmm. that. 
right? In the sense of we are pursuing Christ's likeness, so we're trying to we're we're achieving or or better word would be pursuing Christ, as Philippians three says. But we're not doing that from the vantage point of trying to achieve a position. We're doing that from the encouragement that we've already achieved the position. Colossians hmm. three. We're in Christ. It's done. Hmm. I'm there. I'm I'm already there. Mm-hmm. I I don't need. I will not receive anything more than I've already gotten. Mm-hmm. Right. He's giving me everything in Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ephesians one. So so the the concern is when we talk about these things that we're clear in what the gospel is and what it brings, and then what sanctification is and why it's there. The fruit of the gospel is the ongoing work of sanctification. That's why the whole once saved, always saved is is oftentimes confusing and sometimes deceiving. It can, it, it can be true if you understand it correctly, but it's incomplete, and so it's not helpful. But oftentimes it's deceiving because it carries this idea, which we all have in our heart, is I've got my ticket to heaven, gospel's fire insurance. I don't, I just, I just pray a prayer. I just have a mental ascent, a, a, a confession to Christ, and now I just go and live my life. I try to do good. Everything's you know, for me. Yeah, I just give a little bit, yeah, and I, yeah. I don't lie. I don't. Yeah. I don't curse any yeah, as no. much. Yeah. You no. Know. No. Christ is the center. He's the citadel. He's the point. He's, mm-hmm. he's the. He's the fountain. He's the spring. He's everything. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not an addendum. He's not the seasoned salt to your life. He is the foundation of your life. And so, when that's the case, which is the true gospel and the true understanding, when that's the case, then your whole life is lived to please him. Your whole life is to submit to him, and that submission is what? Kill sin, train yourself to godliness. And so we do that because we're his. We're owned by him. He's bought us with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God in your body. Because I'm owned by him, because he dwells in me as the temple of the Holy Spirit, now I go and do these things, Mm -hmm. not to somehow go through the door. If mm-hmm. I do them enough, I get in the door. That's Roman Catholicism. Mm-hmm. No, I've already gone through the door. I'm in Christ. Now I do them because of my position as a child of God. I'm adopted. I'm his. And uh, that's that's why the sanctification is always will always be the result of true salvation. There is no option. There's nobody who goes to heaven that, that doesn't demonstrate some assemblance of fruits of sanctification. Mm-hmm. If you have none of that, then the Bible's clear. You're, you're not his child. Um, and there's many passages that speak of that. And uh, but the reality is it's not perfection, right? And there are levels by way of there, there, we're all in different places along that, that spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I was talking to one of the guys after the Bible study yesterday who was asking me about similar, something similar. And I was talking about the thief on the cross. And I was like, everybody, everybody, you know, wants to throw that poor guy under the bus saying, well, he didn't have any fruit. I'm like, listen, that guy demonstrated more fruit in those few minutes of redeemed life he had left hanging on that cross Mm -hmm. than all the apostles put together in that moment Mm -hmm. because they all left. Mm -hmm. They fled from him in his deepest moment of need. The apostles abandoned him. Mm -hmm. And this guy's on the cross. and He's on the cross defending him. Mm -hmm. He did what none of the other apostles Mm -hmm. would do. Don't tell me he didn't didn't bear no fruit. He bore all kinds of fruit Mm -hmm. in just a short amount of time. Why? Mm -hmm. That fruit was proof that his confession, Father, remember me when you come into your kingdom, mm-hmm. was more than just a mental confession. That was a heart transformation. Mm-hmm. Regeneration, Holy Spirit transformation, born again, came to that man's life, and you saw it just explode mm-hmm. right there on the cross. Well, uh, how much more for the rest of us that aren't hanging 
right by nails on a cross mm-hmm. and so uh, yeah no that's that's where that that's what sanctification is right but it's a progressive ongoing demonstration of fruits of repentance right it's a demonstration of ongoing conformity to Christ and that's what our life is and uh, so it's a work of the gospel it's a fruit of the gospel it's a goal of the gospel Right, that's why you can't have salvation without sanctification. Mm-hmm. You got to hold them distinct. You got to know what the difference is, but you can't utterly separate them, which is what you're talking about. Where it's once saved, always saved. Where I can have salvation, but no sanctification. No, right, right. you can't have that. Mm-hmm. That's a contradiction, mm-hmm. right? And that's Matthew seven. Yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, that's what the people have. They thought they had salvation, and Jesus is like, "No, you didn't have any sanctification." What does he say? You didn't do the will of my Father. But we did this, we did this, we did this. Yeah, but this, you didn't do the will of my father over here, which proved that you were never really saved. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's good. And uh, great uh, segue, um, because uh, Matthew 7 is a, a very, um, <laughs> I would say it's one of the biggest scriptures that uh, unbelievers or people that are basically suppressing the truth would use. Uh, towards uh, a Christian that will be trying to evangelize them. Yeah. Um, because it's like, well, you can't, don't judge me. You know, the Bible says, don't judge me. You know, yeah. you can't Matthew judge seven. me. And, you know, Tupac say only yeah. God can judge me and yeah. all this stuff. And I'm yeah. like, well, uh, I'm not judging you by, you know, any standard that's less than the Bible. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate standard. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, say these things, but. I do remember in in one of your last uh, messages, one of the things that you said was, uh, you know, uh, look at the the, the totem pole or the, not the totem pole, but the the telephone telephone pole in your own eye. Could be a totem pole if you're an idolater. Right, (laughs) right. You know, uh, in your own eye before you look at the speck in someone else's eye. But the standard is the the scripture. Yes. That's what you're judging them by. Yes. And it's not and and what I also came to and you know you you have been correcting a lot of the 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 bad thinking that I've had which I appreciate. Um what I would always do is is more or less say the judgment part is to say that you are like you you're going to hell not to yeah. God's hell that he created, but to my hell, I'm not putting you in my hell. I'm putting you in God's hell. So that judgment is actually according to scripture, what the scripture would say. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I, in my brain, I've kind of separated those two Mm -hmm. to not condemn them to, to anything that I could condemn because I can't condemn them to anything. Sure. But condemn, you know, saying and showing them the scripture basically as a, as a mirror so they can see what's going on. Yeah. No, I think, um, the key when you're interacting with people and evangelizing or just just in discussions with whoever, whether it's biblical counseling or discipleship or evangelism, any of those spheres, you always want to take them to Scripture. Right. You'd never want you. You might start with a you know a pithy story, or you might use yourself in as example as an illustration or whatever. That's fine. But it always makes me nervous. Even when I do it, sometimes I, I don't, I'm just not comfortable mm-hmm. doing that because I know in the end a number of things are happening. Either the pride in my heart is taken over because I want to talk about me, or worst case, I'm not helping this person right. because I don't care how many stories I got. In the end, it isn't really going to help. It might sentimentally make them feel better, which is often what we have. We have just nothing more than a sentimentalized comfort where it's like, oh, that was sweet. Uh, Pastor Matt told me that story about his dog, and oh, that was kind of, But I didn't really help that person, mm-hmm. right? Because there's no conviction. 
There's no Holy Spirit doesn't use my story to convict anybody, right? The Holy Spirit uses Scripture. So the, the, I need to take people to Scripture. I need to point people to Scripture, right? I need to give them Scripture. My story, my life, my, even my testimony, apart from Scripture, isn't, isn't really that powerful. But when I start putting Scripture in and start saying, yes, I was a sinner. Well, everybody knows they're a sinner if they're honest. But then when I start talking about, but God loves sinners, and here's how he demonstrates that love for us, and God killed his own son so that he would... Now we're getting somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to judgment and hell and dealing with those uh, those difficult realities, we have to uh, take people to Scripture. And so, um, I, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to be the one that casts anybody into hell because we're not. We want to be the one that points them to the God who will cast everyone into hell who does not believe. And so you do that by turning to your Bible and quoting to them and say, "Listen, the issue isn't with me. That's why good evangelism or good apologetics or good counseling always starts with God. Yeah. The issue isn't me." And mm-hmm. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, "Listen, don't get upset. This isn't this isn't my deal. Right? It's God's deal." And uh, you've you've abandoned him, and he's he's your he's your God, whether you admit it or not. Meaning, because the breath you just took was a gift from him, so you always point people back to that. And then the whole judgment thing—that's so common. That's 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 all over the place. And anybody that would go to Matthew seven and say, "Yeah, see, you can't judge me," doesn't realize that in the context right before Matthew seven twenty-one, Jesus says, "Beware of the false prophets." Right? They come with wolves in sheep's clothing, and then he says what? You will know them by their fruit, yeah. which means you have to judge. Yeah. You have to look at the fruit and go, well, this is good fruit, and this is bad fruit. Yep. How will I know what's good and bad fruit? There's a standard I use to to evaluate. It's called mm-hmm. God's Word, right? right? So this whole idea of not judging, which is is in the Bible in Matthew 7, meaning taking the, the telephone pole so you can see the splinter, that's just dealing with pride, uh, legalism, judgmentalism, and uh, self-righteousness. But once your heart is broken and humble, it's not that you don't judge. You judge everything. We're, we're called to evaluate everything. Mm-hmm. We're called to look, watch every step, look at everything, evaluate everything, and cling to what is good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible is clear about that from beginning to end, yeah. right? And, uh, and so, uh, so this is, that's just a common, a common, uh, uh, pithy little catchphrase that people try to weasel out and you just don't let them, you just take them right to scripture and it says, well, what does, what does Jesus mean by this when he says this? And the more you can point to scripture and point away from yourself, it's always better mm-hmm. because then the issue, and I've, I've done this many times, whether even in biblical counseling where I've had to come to an end, and I just say, listen, the issue is not between you and I. The issue is between you and God, yeah. and that's all I've shown you. That's mm-hmm. all this is. So it's the same thing in evangelism. When you're done sharing with somebody, whether they let you finish or not, you just say, well, this is what God's Word says, and you're going to have to deal with that, mm-hmm. right? And it's not me. It's not in my story or it's in my shtick. This is God's Word. Mm-hmm. And so the more you do that, the better, right? And, uh, and so, so vital. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Now, uh, we we have probably about uh, twenty minutes left, and I've already shared the gospel. So yeah, you've already <laughs> shared the gospel. Even though we'll have another one at the end, that's fine. Uh, so the truth gonna talk. I mean, no matter what it is, I should, probably should have said that while you were drinking. Huh? <laughs> we joke, man. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we're gonna come back. Uh, I got another catechism for you. So here we go. 
Hello, and welcome to Kidakism, where we do catechisms for kids. I'm Lucy. I'm Callie. And I'm Christian. So, let's go. So, the fourth question is, how can you glorify God? Hold up, I got this one. By loving Him and doing what He commands. Wait, how do you do that? Oh, that's simple. In Matthew 5, Verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's awesome. We can glorify God. I know that's right. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Hope that everybody that's listening and not listening will believe and learn more about your word. Hope that we have a nice day, and in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for another Kidakism. Hope you enjoy them. Bye-bye. Hey folks, so after realizing how long we actually talked that day when we did this podcast, while editing, I decided I'm just going to stop it here and then we're going to pick up on the next one uh, for next time. So, sorry, you don't get to hear the rest of the conversation, but tune in next time because I'll be back and Matt will be back with another Truth Talks podcast. Take care. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and send in your questions to the Truth Talks podcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.